Blog Talk Radio. Glamour, fearless, diabetes late night. Give it to me, I'm worth it. Like she loves something. Uh, in the club with the lights off. But you act a shy fog. Come and show me that you're with it. With it. With it. With it. With it. Stop playing how you know that I'm with it. With it. With it. With it. With it. With it. What you act a shy fog. Just give me you. Just give me you. Just give me you. That's all I wanna do. And if what they say is true. If it's true. I'ma give it to you. I'ma take a lot of stuff. Guaranteed. I can back it up. You bluff, hurry up, I'm waiting out from Are you ready? I think you're worth it, because tonight I want to welcome you to July's Diabetes Late Night Podcast. I'm your host, Mr. Diva Bedick, and I want to thank you for tuning in to our exciting blend of music, games, prizes, expert advice, and diabetes empowerment. Tonight, we're celebrating our fifth year anniversary of podcasting with a great lineup of guests, the music by the hottest girl group in the country, Fifth Harmony, and clips from some of our favorite podcasts, including this one from my very first podcast five years ago. Let's take a listen. Hello, divas. Welcome to Diva Talk Radio. If you're a woman living with, at risk, or affected by diabetes, I don't want you to get down. I want you to get diva and take on a proactive attitude about your health. I'm your host, Mr. Divabetic, and I'm on a quest to glamorize good health. Relax, sit back, and get inspired. Spend the next 20 minutes with us for a new attitude. We've got a great show for you tonight, and it's all about playing the numbers game. If you have any questions or you'd like to make a comment, please call in. These Remember, these are the Diva Digits, 347 215 8551. That's 347-215-8551. And please feel free to visit our website, divabetic.org. Wow, that was five years ago. And not that much has really changed, except we don't do 20 minutes anymore. We do a full hour, an action-packed hour. Um, I remember when I was first asked to do that podcast by LGK uh, Marketing, I didn't really want to do a podcast, but I changed my mind because I wanted to promote our game, Diabetes Numerology, which I mentioned in that clip. And we're actually going to go back in time later tonight on the podcast and play my favorite Diabetes Numerology game, which is a self-care game uh, devised to help you form a game plan around how to manage the highs and lows of your blood sugars. We'll be playing that game later on in the show. But you could still check out all those great game books and some of the videos around numerology at our website, which I said was divabetic.org. 
Now, I've been uh, listening to a lot of shows over the weekend because I just wanted to kind of mark the milestone and take a minute and, and um, just kind of look back and reflect on what we've accomplished as a team our late-night team of educators and uh, women and men living with diabetes and health experts from around the country. And uh, what jumped out to me, and I, I hope it's clear to you listeners, is that this show's goal is really to help make you feel better about yourself. On any given show, I think it doesn't matter what the hot topic was or who the guests are or what the music and games were playing. On, those, on each podcast, I feel that the one thing that comes shining through loud and clear is that you're important to us, and I hope you know that. And I want you to stay happy and healthy if you're living with diabetes and learn how to prevent a diabetes health complication from occurring. I want to thank all my guests, educators, healthcare professionals, beauty and fashion experts, and the real live divas and dudes who have helped me raise awareness for diabetes in a fun new way these past five years. And I want to thank you listeners from the bottom of my heart for tuning in to each and every podcast and letting me be a part of your diabetes life. It's incredible to me to say this, that we have now over 122 free Divabetic podcasts available for you on demand at iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, and our website, divabetic.org, for you to tune in to listen to anytime, anyplace, anywhere. With so many hours of podcasting, it's, uh, I thought it would be fun to turn the tables and have you ask me some of the questions. So we went to the Divabetic Facebook com, uh, community and asked them to send in their questions, and here we go. Here's the first question. I'm going to read it right off of my phone. I'm so tech-savvy tonight. Uh, Diane from Detroit, Michigan, wants to know, who's your most memorable guest, Mr. Divabetic? Yikes. Um, I know. Uh, the most memorable guest to me was a woman we had on the show who admitted that she doesn't check her blood sugars. It happened sometime, I think, last year, and it was important for me to give all sides of the conversation. It always is on this program. I don't have to necessarily agree with them. And uh, she admitted she doesn't check her blood sugars, and we went back and forth for a while, and my message is still very clear. Uh, I, I want people to check, not to guess, about their blood sugars. I think it's so important. There's a thing called hypoglycemic unawareness, and the longer you're living with uh, diabetes, you might not be able to feel those lows coming on, and it could be extremely dangerous, and I'll actually talk to one of my educators about it later on. But that probably stands out as a guest because I, I, it was just so important for me to be objective and to allow everyone to have um, inclusion in the conversation. I certainly don't like to judge, but I am here with a purpose, which is to help you to avoid a complication. So checking your blood sugars to me is something that um, is a part of your di diabetes wellness life. Next question, or should be a part of your life, I should say. Um, what's your most memorable moment? Asked Junior from Atlanta, Georgia. Okay, uh, in all these podcasts, my most memorable moment, oh, I know, uh, again, last year, I think we did it, I was listening to this the other day, I know, uh, Robin Williams uh, had passed away, he, he committed suicide, and so the night before the podcast, I called Dr. Uh, Bev, um, who was going to be on the show the next day, to ask if we could talk about it, and so... I thought it was relevant since suicide was a topic that everyone was talking about at the water coolers around the country, and I wanted to cover it on the show. And so she agreed to do that, and we were talking about it on the show. And at one point in the show, I just thought it was going on and on, and I, I thought we needed to move on and get back to 
more diabetes late night. And the interesting thing on that program, if you tune into it, I'll have to repost it. Um, our guest diva on the show admitted that uh, she attempted suicide by um, trying to over-inject insulin uh, at one point in her life. And it just brought the whole thing around to me that if we had never talked about Robin Williams, we would have never heard that admission and we would have never heard that story. And I think Dr. Bev and, and Patricia Addy Gentle were able to give some real words of encouragement. Uh, we showed some compassion, and I think we helped raise awareness uh, around that topic, around diabetes, um, in a different way, and I'm really proud of that show. I'm also very proud of all the poems that Lorraine Brooks has put on the show. I mean, there's so many. I was listening to them over the weekend. I think every single one of her words is memorable, so it's always an honor to share her insight with everyone on the show. Okay, so uh, next question. Here's the final question. Who picks the music? <laughs> and why don't you have more country artists on the show, asked Haley from Nashville. Well, that's a loaded question, Haley, since you're from Nashville. You're not from Detroit, so you're not asking for Motown. Um, it's no, there's no, you know, there's no formula here. We all know I love disco. I love house music. I'm a, an R&B kid. So I have to admit, country is a little tough for me, but we have had uh, Miranda Lambert on the show, and we've had Carrie Underwood this year on the show. We, we featured their music, Haley. I hope you hear those shows. The Carrie Underwood one was really amazing. We talked about spirituality. She kind of led that whole theme and brought that to life. I don't pick all the shows, though. Lorraine picked uh, Nina Simone last year, and Jeff James, who works at Sony Music and helps us have the rights to be able to play all the music that you hear on each and every podcast, he also helps choose uh, the music as well. You know, for a while we would have a theme and then try to find an artist to fit the theme. Then we switched and started having artists and then looking for themes from the artists. Today I try to I like to play the new uh, current stuff uh, because it's out there everywhere, and I, I love the idea that you could hear a hit song like Worth It by Fifth Harmony tonight and think of Diva Bedic and think about managing your diabetes in a diva kind of way. So, you know, tonight we're celebrating our fifth year anniversary of podcasting. I want to thank the Facebook community for sending me those questions. And we are spotlighting the girl group Fifth Harmony. Since the release of their debut album, Reflection, these five mega-talented women have scored a top ten hit with Worth It, which I played earlier in the show. And now they're set up to embark on their first headlining tour. Did you know that each member of Fifth Harmony auditioned for the X Factor as a solo artist? before Simon Cowell assembled them together as a group during, boot camp week, uh, during the boot camp week of that season. And you know the rest is musical history. Well, straight ahead, i got a stellar lineup of guests, including poet Lorraine Brooks, the Charlie's Angels of Outreach, Dr. Karen Hayberger, Dr. Ivan Sunir, Mama Rosemary, and a special guest, real-life diva, from Chicago, named Dana, is going to be joining us. But before we get things started, take a minute and donate to divabetic.org at divabetic.org. Your tax-deductible contributions are greatly appreciated. Divas, Diva, Divas are all coming up. Let's hear another song from Fifth Harmony saluting one of my favorite divas of all time containing the sample of Always Be My Baby, courtesy of Sony Music. Yeah, your loving take me higher. You'll set my heart on fire. When you touch my body, you're missing like Mariah. There is no denying your kisses.
love that. Welcome back to Diabetes Late Night. I'm your host, Mr. Diva Bedick, and we're celebrating our fifth year anniversary of podcasting with musical inspiration from Fifth Harmony. These women prove that girl power is still alive and well, and here's a great quote from one of the group's members, Allie. We were all independent women to begin with, but now that we're a group and all supporting each other, we're even more powerful than we ever could be on our own. Hey, we should put that on the windows of Divabetic. I love that. Um, it's time for some more powerful words of inspiration. Please welcome to the show poet Lorraine Brooks. Hello, Lorraine. I'm Max. How are you? Welcome to the show. Happy anniversary. Thank you. Happy anniversary to you. I can't believe it's been five years. Congratulations. It has been. Uh, it's incredible. It's an incredible accomplishment. I'm just uh, so grateful uh, to to partner with you on it, as well as everyone who's a regular cast member on the show, and, and to really reach so many people living with, affected by, or, or at risk for diabetes. You know, you've been on the show for a couple of years now, Lorraine. I know. It's hard to believe that, too. I remember the first show we did, and uh, then I was so nervous, and we were talking about um, a number of things, one of which was domestic violence, and then we were talking about drug abuse, and we've come such a long way. Um, but it's always nice to uh, to be acknowledged, and, and I appreciate all the work that you do, and I'm I'm very honored to be a part of it. Thank well, you. I'm honored to be uh, working with you. Tell how do you how did you come to be part of the uh, Diabetes Late Night team? Well, um, actually, it was through our mutual colleague and friend, Dr. Beverly Adler. Um, she suggested that she knew somebody who uh, did this podcast, and that maybe I would be interested in being a guest or uh, perhaps reading one of my poems because I wrote a poem. Um, that Dr. Bev used in the introduction of one of her books, um, My Sweet Life. And um, I think that she just thought that you and I should speak to each other. And when we did, uh, we hit it off so well that, um, can I say the rest is history? (laughs) I think you can, and can I say, I think we should go back in history, Lorraine, and listen to your appearance on our show on December 2012. Here you go. It wasn't that quiet in 2012. We're looking for that. I don't know uh, what happened, Lorraine. We're, we'll be searching for it. We'll play it again if well, we you, find you it. You have me live. You're, you're even better. You have me live. So I, We have you live. So what was your favorite poem? Let's forget about 2012 for a minute. Tell us what your favorite poem was. You know, um, I, I went back to and I listened to some of the old shows and I, and I reread some of the poems that I wrote. And, you know, I think, I don't know if I would use the word favorite, but I think my most um, powerful ones were the were one of them was um, the one you asked me to write about the show you did about labels, and um, that I was talking about being labeled as uh, plus size, and um, that was one of my I think most powerful ones, and I have a couple of others, but I you know every time I and, and you and I talked about this that a couple of times it was very difficult for me to write the poems that I was feeling and I didn't want to be a downer and I didn't because I know that you uh, try to put a positive spin on diabetes but I said to you one day you know Max I don't always feel very positive you know sometimes I'm not in a great mood and sometimes I'm struggling and sometimes I'm very frustrated 
And you said to me, you know what, if that's how you feel, that's what you should write. And I'll tell you, that was such a freeing moment for me because it gave me permission to really talk about how I felt. And it was very um, incredible because those are the poems that people, I think, responded most positively to because they were truthful and they were they were heartfelt. And I think, um, you know, again, I'm not alone. I think a lot of people struggle, and it's okay to talk about it. So I Well, and I just want to say, you know, I know that I'm – portrayed as this happy-go-lucky person and it's all rainbows and sunshines and unicorns, I guess, on on our radio show. But the the truth is that, I, you know, I like to have an upbeat, uplifting approach to diabetes education, but that doesn't mean I don't want to be real. I'm not painting smiles on everybody, and, and that was never my intention. And, and you and I have spoken offline about this a lot, and you, you know that I fully embrace all sides of the story and that it's not just about successes. It's about the struggle, and I think we all learn so much from it. And, uh, you know, you being so honest and bearing your heart so truthfully to our listeners, I think, has been incredible. And I will always support that, and 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 I, I stand behind that. Well, thank you. And, you know, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not a naysayer. Most of the time I'm, I'm pretty good about it. But, you know, I think that, it, you know, as you say, it's reality. It's, it's something that, that you deal with on a 24 our basis and you know as you as you go through the day or as you go through your life um there are some things that are more challenging than others in some situations and some days when you're just more challenged than others and um i really appreciate you allowing me to uh to vent and you know to to tell the truth about how i feel and it always makes me feel better to know that somebody uh, understands and is willing to listen, and, and I appreciate your listeners for that as well and for all the support they've given me. Well, thank you, and and now I'm ready to encore your one of your favorite poems. This is definitely one of my favorite poems. I actually listened to the show you wrote this about. It was the Fanta- Diabetes Roundtable inspired by Fantasia, so let's give it a go. Okay, so this poem is called Plus or Minus. And it was written for the show that you did uh, talking about labels. Don't call me plus size. Why should I be? I'm bigger than some. Some are bigger than me. A number is given to keep track of our size. And what is the difference which one I must buy? I'm not plus or minus. Don't label me so. And don't tell me into which stores I can go. If I need an 18 and you need a 3, you shouldn't be thinking you're better than me. If you need a 20 and I need a 2, I shouldn't be thinking I'm better than you. Why don't we instead embrace everyone's curves with all the respect and support one deserves? Don't label me by the disease I possess or anything else that might cause me distress. I've spent most of my life with the label of plus, and the truth is that labels aren't good for any of us. Let's label shelves and file cabinet drawers and signs on the ladies' and men's bathroom doors. A label is good if I need to explore where your office is located on the fifth floor, and I need a label when I'm shopping for food to know if tomatoes are pureed or stewed. But don't label me and my body, I ask. 
and don't make me wear this invisible mask. Put labels on envelopes with return address or telling me which one is lettuce and which watercress. Because in the end, I'm the same as you are, and labels work better on bottles and jars. But even if I am not your cup of tea, don't put labels on people, and please, not on me. Wow, Lorraine. Yes, thank you. It still has so much power, and people could look at, read a lot of your poetry. It's on our website, org, in the reading room um, section of that website. Go to community. Um, you know, it, it's it, that. I think that poem is so powerful because it has humor in it as well as truth, and I think we could all identify with it. And it, it really does. I think uh, it just provides so much solidarity and support, and I, I hope listeners are, are getting that. I'm sure they'll send us some messages on our Facebook page and let us know for sure. And the good news is, Lorraine, that you're going to come back at the end of the show and read our listeners' choice poem of yours. So they went, they looked at some of the past shows. A lot of people wrote in, and one poem came out on top. So uh, at the end of the show, you're going to come back, correct, and, and read that poem for us? Yes, I will. Well, that's a good cliffhanger. Thank you so much, Lorraine. Thank you for everything you do, and thanks again for being so honest about living uh, well with diabetes and sharing your story with us month after month. Thank you, Max. I will see we'll see you, you at it. the end of the show. In the meantime, right. Lorraine, you and I better check this out because Fifth Harmony is blowing up the charts. Their song Sledgehammer uh, was recorded uh, was written actually by Megan Trainer, who was a diva inspiration for us back in January last year, and she re- and it was released as their second single off their debut album, Reflection. This song, Sledgehammer, is about one uh, feeling feelings that you have for someone that are so hard to contain. It has to be released like a sledgehammer. Let's take a listen. If you could take my Sledgehammer, because it's our fifth anniversary, everybody. Welcome back to Divey's Late Night. I'm your host, Mr. Diva Bedek. You know, for the past five years, I've been hosting the show, and I always get questions like, what is that show all about? So guess what? I'm totally changing the script tonight. I'm going hard-hitting health news. I've got two amazing doctors coming up who are going to talk to me about some serious issues going, around, going on with diabetes, because a lot of people think that I just like to uh, have fun with it, and I don't believe that, so I'm going to prove you wrong tonight. Uh, one of the topics I've never talked about on the show, and I'm so proud to talk about tonight, is diabetic retinopathy. And joining me right now is Dr. Ivan Sunir, who's an ophthalmologist at the Retina Associates of Tampa, Florida. Please welcome Dr. Sunir. Hello, doctor. Hey, Max. Thank you so much. And I really have to commend you for this wonderful forum for well, diabetes. Thank you. Thank you know, for, it's a major uh, public did, health issue, and for bringing it to light. 
Well, uh, thank you very much. I appreciate that. You know, we're known as a fashion-forward approach to diabetes education, doctor. And the thing about fashion, you know, no matter if it's good or bad, it's definitely the fun to look at. But diabetes could really rob you of that pleasure, can't it? It's certainly true. And actually, as you know, it's an exploding problem. Currently, about uh, 12% of all uh, persons in the United States have diabetes. And it's thought to be a growing number to even 15% by 2020. So it's definitely a growing concern in our country. And as, as you talk about empowerment and, and being true to yourself, it's, it's a very important thing to come to terms with and really empower yourself to give you the best outcomes. Well, now, how can diabetes affect your eyes? I'm, I'm trying to understand that. Well, the, the important message about diabetes in your eyes is two things. Number one is that, the eyes are really the, the main part of the body that we can actually see into what, what's happening in diabetes. What's happening in your eyes and the blood vessels is what causes the damage to the vision, but those same blood vessels are also affected in your brain that can cause strokes, in your heart that can cause heart attacks, and your kidneys that can cause kidney failure. So as ophthalmologists and retina specialists, we're privileged to be able to see inside the eye and see what's going on because it can really correlate to what's happening elsewhere in the body. And most importantly is one can have completely normal vision but have vision-threatening retinopathy that unless you see your eye doctor may be missed and later result in vision damage. So I think it's an important message that even with perfect vision, you can have vision-threatening diabetic retinopathy that now fortunately is very treatable, number one, and number two can also tell us what's happening in your brain, kidneys, and also in, in your heart. So if you go to your if you get a routine eye exam, would that be something they could screen you for? It's yeah, exactly right. It's very important. And the whole eye care team, the optometrists that help you with glasses, the general ophthalmologists and the retina specialists work together because if there are findings of diabetic retinopathy that are seen on screening examination, it's usually little hemorrhages or little blood vessels being damaged. They can then be referred to retina specialists like myself to then go on with, with therapy, which, again, nowadays can help prevent loss of vision. And what's the difference between that and a cataract or glaucoma, or are they all the same? No, that's a great, great question. The cataract is actually a lens inside your eye, and that lens is what gets cloudy or affected in cataracts. So think of that like the lens in a camera being damaged. In glaucoma, it's the optic nerve, which is the wire from the eye to the brain that takes the vision information. That's usually caused by high pressure in the eye, and then diabetes uh, affects the retina. The retina is a fine layer or film of the camera of your eye, and that layer is about a quarter millimeter thick, and that's what actually receives the light to then go to the optic nerve or the wire to your brain. So they're all three separate issues, but they're very crucial, and all three can be screened through an eye exam, and all three have higher incidences of problems in diabetic patients. And, I mean, it seems so clear to me that you would want to be screened, but obviously that because we know blind, adult diabetes is a leading cause for adult onset blindness today, why aren't people being screened? Like, what do you think is holding them back? Well, I think it's a, it's a multitude of things. One thing is that, as, as you mentioned, it's a leading cause of legal blindness in patients that are of working age. And these are people that have to work to support their families. So finding the time to go through all these medical appointments, including an eye exam, can, can be difficult. And so finding that time to set aside to get these appointments 
can be difficult when you already have diabetes, and especially if you're suffering from complications of diet that some of our patients have per week is, is too high. And But, again, this is an investment in your future because what's happening in the eye can trigger us to, to figure out what's happening in your brain, your kidneys, and your heart to then have coordinate with your primary care doctor or diabetes specialist to then hone in on those issues that could be affecting you without you even being aware of it. And so what treatments would be available if you did find out that I, if I went to your association and was screened for it and you found that I had diabetic retinopathy, how, what would the treatments be like for me? Well, for diabetic retinopathy, what's interesting is there's a new medication available now. It's actually a pharmacologic agent almost like a smart bomb that affects the pathway that leads to blindness. And we can actually reverse the diabetic retinopathy in the eye. And to give you an example, about 40% of patients that get this treatment get increased visual acuity by three lines of vision. So really a large amount of vision. And to give you a better example, about 60% of patients that their vision was, was not good enough to drive will be able to drive again with this therapy. So that's number one with the eyes. Again, it's reversible with these therapies as long as you catch them early. Is the that a thing surgery is, or is that a surgery, doctor? No, it's an in-office procedure. It takes all of about a couple minutes. It is okay. an injection in the eye, which sounds horrible, but nowadays we do so many of them. We use very good anesthetic drops. There are patients, you know, walk in, have the, uh, the procedure done, the, the treatment, and go back to work uh, right after that. So it's a very uh, easy treatment that's done in the office, very convenient. But then, you know, once that occurs, uh, we know that once you develop these complications of diabetic retinopathy that affect the vision, the main one is diabetic macular edema, once you have that complication that actually is treatable, we know that uh, in that category now you have twice the risk of heart disease, three times the risk of stroke, and so it alerts. It's a red flag for us to alert you to go see your primary care doctor to optimize your therapy with your blood pressure control, glucose control, cholesterol control. Great. All right. So what can I do to protect my vision? Tell me that before you go. Well, the main thing is go see your eye doctor to have your, your screening exam. Again, you can have 20-20 vision. We've seen some of our Air Force uh, pilots that have perfect vision with threatening retinopathy. So unless you get it checked, you're not going to know. And more importantly, now it's very treatable. So the main message is get checked. Get checked at least once a year and know that what's happening in your eyes is happening elsewhere in your body, and that can be very important. Uh, for your primary care doctor or diabetes specialist to help keep the best control for you. And what I'm hearing from you tonight, too, I have to say, uh, Dr. Sunir, is hope for patients who might have had a loss of vision or are beginning to experience a loss of vision, that there's ways to actually uh, inhibit it and actually potentially reverse it, like you said, that they could get back to uh, managing their life the way they knew how, working again and driving and things like that. So for people listening who might have experienced some kind of vision loss over the course of a few years, there there is hope out there today. There's treatments available for them. Yeah, it's a wonderful time for us as retina specialists to see these diabetic patients that otherwise would have lost vision or, or become visually disabled. Now we can offer them hope of better vision, going back to work, going back to their regular activities that they enjoy doing. All right, and I just have to tell you that this has been an important topic for me since the beginning of Divabetic. I actually did glaucoma screenings at several of my outreach events, and I just want to admit to everyone that once in New York City, I approached Madame Tussauds about doing an outreach project called See You on the Red Carpet, where we would screen people and then let them into the museum for free. I thought it was a fabulous idea, idea Dr. Sunir, but it never That's happened. Wonderful. 
<laughs> so oh, I'm remembering yeah. not only the good moments in my fi- in my five and nine years of Divabetic, but also some of the bad moments. And maybe one day we'll team up in Tampa and be able to change the way people look at diabetes and vision loss, which I would love to do with you. So thank you for being a part would, of the show. That would be wonderful. And All again, right, I thanks. commend you. Congrats on your fifth year anniversary. I commend you for providing a forum of education for, for so many people that really hopefully you're changing their lives by providing this forum for them. Thank you. Thank you so much, and thanks for being a part of the show. All my right, pleasure. listeners, guess what? I'm going back-to-back with my doctors tonight. It's kind of like Dr. Oz on steroids, um, or Wendy Williams, however you like to look at me. Uh, we're going to shine the spotlight on a founder of an amazing organization called Life Bulb, and they have some fabulous Life Bulb Social Club events in New York City. I can't wait to go. Please welcome to the show. This is a big get for me. I'm thrilled to have her here, Dr. Karen Hayberger. Hello, Dr. Karen. Hello, and happy anniversary. Thank you so much. Uh, Dr. Karen, we have something in common. We both play tennis, but you played on the Swedish national team, and I play in Central Park, so that's pretty much where the similarity ends right there. I I, I assume you're a much better tennis player than I am, but I'm known for being scrappy. Well, I I don't even play in Central Park anymore, so I I think I I think we we should plan a, a tennis date very soon. So tennis has been that. very important to me. <laughs> now you yeah, have a, a really sport. exciting uh, exciting organization, Life Ball, and I, I want to hear all about it. But first, I want you to share a little bit with my listeners about your gen- journey living with diabetes because I found it so fascinating. I was researching you yesterday on YouTube and across uh, the web. Well, uh, I uh, I was diagnosed with diabetes uh, at the age of 16, and, and as you mentioned, I was a big tennis player at the time. I played on the Swedish national team, and uh, it was really a big part of my life. And when I was diagnosed with diabetes, um, it changed somewhat. I, I uh, suddenly had a chronic disease that I didn't know much about at all. Uh, no one in my family had diabetes, and, and no one I really knew had diabetes. So it was a very big learning experience for everyone in, in my family and uh, my uh, friends. And uh, so uh, I, I had to very quickly uh, get up to speed. And uh, I think the most difficult part of it was the fact that it is chronic. There is no cure for diabetes right now. And as you heard just uh, now from Dr. Sunir, it's not just a disease that is insidious and you live with and you take a pill and and, uh, you're fine, but it's also a a disabling disease, that it can be disabling. It can um, can really hurt major organs, such as the kidneys, such as the eyes. And in my case, um, I developed diabetes, as I mentioned, as a teenager. And then about 20 years later, the age of 35, I um, had developed pretty much all the microvascular complications, and those are kidney and eyes. And I needed to have major intervention. And at that age, uh, you know, that's pretty early. But um, I was fortunate enough to have a fantastic uh, family of support and uh, and friends. And my father especially stepped up to the plate and um, and gave me a kidney. So in 2009 in march we we had a we had a procedure a kidney transplant and it saved my life uh, it really did and uh, about 9 months later i had a pancreas transplant which uh, made my life worth living again because my diabetes was one of those that was extremely brittle and very complicated and it was very hard to manage the the sugar levels without having either too high or too low and 
when you're too high, the risk, of course, is long-term, that you can get complications, such as eye complications, heart complications, and so on. But the acute uh, complications when you're too low in your blood sugar are, are extremely dangerous because you can pass out and never wake up again. So in my case, when I got the pancreas transplant of, in January of 2010, uh, that was the end of insulin injections for me. Um, and uh, you know, now, five years or five and a half years later, I'm still off insulin, which is um, a really remarkable thing to, to, to have. So I know what it is like to grow up as a, a young person without diabetes and uh, you know, be a, a competitive athlete. And then spend 20 years struggling with a chronic disease, and especially the, I would say, the five uh, last years were very difficult because of the complications. And then at the age of 35, I have a new take on life, which really transformed my um, uh, my path in life because... As uh, as I mentioned, I was a tennis player, but when I became um, a diabetic, I was really determined that I wanted to find a cure for diabetes. So I went to medical school and learned everything I could about diabetes and, and also other diseases and uh, also did research. So I, I studied uh, medicine, but I also did a PhD in the area of diabetes and, and came to this country from Sweden uh, to continue to do research and spent another few years working in the industry of diabetes, either in a company or on the side, the investment side, where we pick opportunities that can be transformative for people with diabetes. But when I developed all the complications and uh, realized that I can do so much more for people with diabetes if I essentially come out, which I had never done, I, if I can acknowledge the fact and be okay with the fact that I have diabetes and I'm not just a diabetes expert, I can really um, make a difference because I know um, the issues, the unmet medical needs and the quality of life issues that everyone with diabetes uh, struggles with. So that's why um, we uh, co-created uh, Lifebulb about a year yeah. and a half ago um, to really address the quality of life for people living with uh, diabetes and other chronic disease. That's amazing. And I want to talk about Lifebulb in a minute. You're, you're a diva-betic in my book. You're, you're gold stars all around. Um, and I know people are listening to this. I want to know, just want to back up for a minute. Kidney transplants and pancreas transplants in the same person seem, I, I'm sure someone's going, is that very common? And it sounds kind of mm -hmm. crazy, but in, in your YouTube video, you talked about how you met with your doctors and they thought that was the opportune time to do it after, the tra after you had the first transplant because of the medications and everything you were on, right? I mean, there was something about there was a similarity there that made it an opportune time yeah. to have that happen. Yeah, so so that's correct. Uh, I mean, the fact that I got a kidney from my father really prevented the surgery from B1, a simultaneous kidney and pancreas transplant, because I had I, I had to get the uh, the live donor some uh, kidney from my father. Uh, but the doctors explained to me at that time that I could also put myself on a list for a pancreas, and the reason why why I was eligible was essentially a few reasons why. One was that the as you mentioned the drugs that you have to take after having a transplant, and I'm on these drugs, I will be on these drugs for the rest of my life, these are drugs that prevent my immune system from rejecting these organs. Although the kidney is my father's kidney, 
uh, and he's you know very closely related to me, um, my body is still constantly trying to reject it because it's not exactly my organ. So I needed to be on uh, immunosuppressive therapy anyway to uh, avoid rejecting the kidney, which is life-saving. So the fact that I then got a pancreas or was offered a pancreas wouldn't change my medication. So that's one reason why um, they would uh, they would recommend having a pancreas transplant if you're diabetic and already have a kidney transplant. The second reason, um, which is important for eligibility, is that I was a so-called brittle diabetic. My my diabetes, although I was working full time uh, at this point and and I still am, I I was struggling every day with fluctuations in blood sugar. And as I mentioned, when you're high in blood sugar, you have certain symptoms, but you also have consequences long term. But when you're low, it's really dangerous. And I was working for Johnson & Johnson at the time and driving from New York City out to New Brunswick, New Jersey. You know, And every time I would be driving, my family, my friends would be afraid because what if the sugar would go down so quickly that I couldn't fight it? and I would be passing out and get into an accident. Or when I go to sleep in the evening and I, I wouldn't I wouldn't wake up because my blood sugar was plummeting. Right. And and those are issues um for people with diabetes when they have brittle diabetes. And in those cases it's even more important to, to get some sort of remedy and the pancreas transplant will really help, um, and it it really did help in my case because now I'm insulin free and my sugar levels are very stable. All right. And I'm I mean, it's it's an amazing story. I know my listeners are going to be lighting up Facebook with this story. This this is uh, your it's you're amazing, and your organization, Lifebulb, connects people, inspires change, impacts lives. I've seen some of the videos of the events on YouTube. I went to Lifebulb.com. You have a social club. Tell us a little bit about that organization and what you're trying to do. You mentioned obviously earlier in the podcast you know you're searching for the cure so what what is life bulb all about and what are you trying to do uh, dr karen yeah, so life bulb was created like really. You, by t- the way, I think you're fabulous. So I'm not pointing. This oh, out. I like I'm you too. Point. I like you I think too. That you're you're like, a, so, and we're both in New York. Everyone, this is amazing. All right, so now tell me what that's, you do. That's that's where playing tennis. Um, that was the whole the whole point with it. I I believe. Anyway, so um, and life bulb was created to help people uh, improve their quality of life now, and that that's an important word now because so many foundations and I've I've been involved. I think foundations are fantastic when they're focusing on a cure, but the cure is often not near term. The cure may have happened in 10, 20, 30 years. We don't know. Research needs to be done, and we need to dedicate money toward this. But we also need to help people living with the disease in this moment, and there are things that we can do, and that's why I like your show, for example, because you are bringing out the happiness, the music, the the things that you do to make a person actually feel that life is worth living. It's not just uh, survival mode, but it's actually a lifestyle and a life that is much more full. So um, with LifeBob, we are we are trying to bring back that quality of life and not just to focus on the daily grind of having a chronic disease. And we do that through various different ways. Our major, major uh, kind of goal is to be a bridge from industry to patients and patients to industry because the companies that are working in this space, and now I'm talking about pharma companies, medical device companies, biotechnology companies, but also consumer products, better kinds of food, better kinds of beverages, better kinds of exercise equipment for people living with these diseases. 
And if we can help those companies realize what are the real patient needs, I think we have done an amazing uh, job. And we want to get to a point where the life bulb stamp of approval for a company becomes so important that, that they are really trying to, to look to us to organize events for them, to increase the awareness for their products and for, and for what they're trying to do, but beyond all, to, to listen to the patient's voice. And when we do these social club events, and by the way, we have one tomorrow, um, the patients come together. And when you see that interaction, it's, it's really wonderful. I was observing two young men speaking um, you know, a few months ago at one of the events, and they were saying, you know, this insulin pump is so bulky. Where do we put it? How do we do, how do we, how do when we meet new people, uh, you know, so it's not the first thing a girl will ask us, you know, why are you wearing this big pump? And that's an important piece of information for companies that are developing those pumps. Maybe the pumps need to be hidden in some way. Maybe they need to be small or maybe they need to have a different color. You know, when a, when a young girl gets diabetes, maybe she wants a pink pump, not one that looks like it's an engineering project. Well, now so you're, there are a number you're of preaching things. to the choir. Uh, you're preaching to the choir, Dr. Karn. I'm so for <laughs> that. We, all, we love to talk about what kind of things can you carry in your bags. You're amazing. I, I want to take a minute, though, and just tell everyone to check out Lightbulb. Uh, light, what am I saying? Lightbulb.com. And you've got Twitter chats coming up. You've got Lightbulb Social Club. I'll be posting it on Facebook. We have to have you back on the show. Thank you for everything you do in inspiring me. Uh, I, this is incredible. You're incredible. And I'm just so thankful that you're part of the diabetes community. Thank you for inviting me. And I, I would love to be back. And I'd love to meet you in person. All right. We'll so do it. Have a good evening. All right. And I'm going to have to work on my backhand, I think. And here's the woman who tried to teach me how to play my backhand. Mama Rosemarie is heading off to play bridge, and she's going to be on the show right now. I'm just going to cut right to her because I want to make sure I have time for my mom. Mom, welcome to Diabetes Late Night. Thank you for being part of our fifth-year anniversary of podcasting. Uh, what's it been like for you these past five years? Because you actually started on the show. You came on the second show that we did in 2010. Well, it's been wonderful. It's been such an opportunity, and I'm so pleased to be part of it. Uh, having a son with diabetes and type 1 diabetes, it really means a lot to me to be part of this and listen to all the advice that other people have, and um, so I could relay it to him. It's great. It's been wonderful. Wonderful opportunity. Thank you for having me. Well, you know, I'm not a man of I'm a man of many words, uh, but I'm going to be quiet for a minute, and I want to play the clip from the very first show you appeared on in August 2010 when I introduced you to the world. This is really big news for me because it's my fifth year anniversary, and people have been coming up to Mr. Divabetic and asking them how do I uh, keep doing what I'm doing, and I always look at two people in the audience and and remember that I have the support and encouragement, and I want to give that to all the divas. So I asked my real-life mother, Rosemary Zadek, to be on the show tonight. Hi, Mom. Hi, Charlie. Hi, Charlie. <laughs> okay, well, thanks for playing along. Now, Mom, uh, you're not only uh, my mother. You're also a mother of a son living with diabetes, and you're also the daughter of someone who had diabetes, correct? Yes, I am. So I am affected by diabetes, but in a different way than most people are. I am, as you said, a daughter of a wonderful, precious angel mother who lived with diabetes for about 20 years in the 50s to the 70s. But I'm also a mother of a wonderful son, your brother, who is living right now with diabetes. 
And you've been going around the country with me at all the Divabetic programs, and you wanted to offer some uh, kind words of advice to these women. So now you have a new segment on my show called How to Mother Your Diabetes. And that was it, Mom. Well, thank you. That was great. <laughs> so many memories. Five years later, you're still doing Mother Your Diabetes tips. And on that so, show, on that show, everybody, she talked about checking your feet during the summer and how it's important if you walk around barefoot that you're constantly checking your feet, which I think is an amazing tip. But I'm wondering, what's your favorite tip? This is our best of best show tonight. Well, my favorite Mother Your Diabetes tip was from January of 2013. It is for everyone to love themselves and their health by purchasing a medical identification bracelet. We all love to get jewelry for any and every occasion. Medical identification bracelets and necklaces is extremely important in the event that you have an emergency and you wouldn't be able to tell the people who are caring for you all about your health or your health conditions. For those living with type 1 and taking insulin daily, have hypoglycemia or low blood sugar, is a possibility that they wouldn't be able to tell the people who are caring for them about their condition. And it is also important for the people with type 2 to wear a medical identification bracelet or necklace because it will also indicate any other medical conditions like heart disease or past transplant surgeries that they've had. Information that emergency medical personnel need to know about if they are treating you. So take advantage of this opportunity and splurge on a little bling. But don't go too too much with that bling. Make sure you get a classic medical identification bracelet or necklace. They, uh, those with sparkle or maybe even a little creativity might not be recognized by the emergency responders. So stay a little classic. And that's my tip from 2011. So I want to say Java Divas, ciao for now. Mom, thank you so much uh, for being a part of Divabetic. I don't really have, I don't know what to say because I'm just so honored that I get to work with my parents on, on Divabetic, and it, it just um, means the world to have you on the show every month. Well, it means the same to me because it, I'm so proud of you and what you have done, and I know that through all these podcasts you have been helping so many people, and um, I'm very proud of that, and I congratulate you on five years. It's been wonderful. All right. Well, thank you so much. I'm going to wipe away the tears and let you go play bridge. Have a good night, and uh, thanks for being a part of the show. I know you're going to run out, Mom, and buy the new Fifth Harmony album called Reflection because it fe- it was featured in both Rolling Stone and Complex Magazine's mid-year Best Albums of 2015 So Far list. Let's take a listen to a song off the Reflection album by Fifth Harmony, courtesy of Sony Music. Where you from? Must be heaven. You'll be rich if looking good as your profession Think I'm in love, cause you so sexy Boy, I ain't talking about you, I'm talking to my own reflection I'm talking to my own reflection, I'm talking to my own reflection Boy, I ain't talking about you, I'm talking to my own reflection I'm talking to my own reflection, I'm talking to my own reflection Boy, I ain't talking about you, I'm talking to my own reflection uh, you're listening to Diabetes Late Night. I'm your host, Mr. Diva Bedick, and tonight we're celebrating Fitz, your anniversary podcasting. Uh, that last segment with my mom just got emotional for me because, you know, my mom was there when I sold my very first T-shirt in South Carolina. 
uh, over 10 years ago. Uh, my sister-in-law is a certified diabetes educator. She invited me to a conference, and that's the first time I ever tried to sell T-shirts. And my mom came up with this wonderful display before we got there to help me sell them. And, and uh, she came aboard our national tour with my dad, and they have been working with me ever since, and it, it's just been such an honor. So that was an emotional moment for me. It's, that's about looking at milestones, I guess, and I'm thrilled to do it. And so I'm thrilled to welcome to the show two of the cast members who've been a part of the show really for a long, long time. I have so much respect for these educators. Um, not only are they friendly and informed, but they also let me call them um, sexy and sassy every month when I refer to them as the uh, Charlie's Angels of Outreach. Please welcome to the show Neva White from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and, Tr and Patricia Addy Gentle from Atlanta, Georgia. Hello, Diva uh, Angels. So mad. I'm all tongue-tied. That was I don't hearing my mom's <laughs> voice just kind of like I, I lost it for a minute. I have to be honest. But I'm back. Um, so we are talking about Fifth Harmony. We're looking back at some of our favorite topics. Patricia? Yes. I'm like, where are you guys? Uh, <laughs> get your hands out of that champagne. We're opening it at the end of the show. Your first appearance on our show was back in October 2010 on Diabetes Roundtable with Attitude. That's what the show is called if you look it up on iTunes. On that show, we discussed air pollution and diabetes. But the sound quality isn't that great, so I thought our listeners would prefer hearing a clip from your one of your first appearances in May 2012 uh, when our Diabetes Roundtable was inspired by Beyonce. On that show, we discussed breastfeeding on Mother's Day. Let's take a listen to that podcast. Patricia, a lot of communities frown upon breastfeeding, especially out in public. So what about mothers who are giving their children formula? Are they at more risk of, of having children that develop diabetes? Well, Max, I believe that if the formula recommendations are followed and the child is not overfed, then um, there is there may be slight increased risk, but not anything to to worry a lot about. Now, one of the things that a lot of mothers may go wrong with is it's so easy and convenient for them to take a bottle and to add cereal and other things to that milk to the formula, but if the guidelines are followed and the child is getting the formula only as is recommended and not with the additives prior to the uh, recommendation by the pediatrician, then I think that formula can be used safely. What do you think of that, Patricia? Oh, that is just <laughs> surreal to listen Um at um, what what I thought back in uh, during that time, and I still have pretty much the same opinion. But there are studies that indicate that formula, um, the cow's milk that's used in the formula, can predispose a child to development of type one diabetes. But it still is a very uh, small amount. Well, the study needs to be a little more extensive. I feel and. It, there are just such a small amount of kids that have been monitored who were found to follow that trend. And I still believe that if uh, we use the formula as it's prescribed, that, um, that, the, that the risk is not that big of a major kind of thing. 
All right. And what what was one of your favorite topics we've ever discussed? Because that was your first appearance. I'm just curious. Like, does anything stand out in your mind? Well, you know, I was so happy to hear Lorraine do her poetry again from the um, labels uh, event. That, too, had been identified as one of my favorite topics, the labels, when we featured Fantasia. And I still think, um, you know, the food label is what we were centering that uh, on, but we were also talking about being labeled as having diabetes, being diabetic, and uh, other labels that we give people and uh, that we so often um, can change the atmosphere and emotions of a person by using these labels. So I love that. I think it was very powerful. I do, too. I agree with you. All right, Neva, you're in the hot seat. Do you remember that your first appearance on our podcast was June 2011 on Diabetes Roundtable, Vow to Inspire? Let's hear what you and I were talking about on that show. (laughs) Neva, our final angel, do you recommend support groups to women living with diabetes? I most certainly do. As a matter of fact, here in Philadelphia, we actually have three, and we also have our Diva Club, which makes four. We have been doing support groups for some time now, and we find that people just, you know, just coming together, learning about what's new in diabetes, and just having someone who's living with the same issues, the same challenges that you are, seems to help in a lot of ways. So we highly recommend support groups. Wow. All right. So you were talking about support. You know, a lot has changed. That was 2011 in the last four years. I think the landscape of diabetes uh, support, unfortunately, finances have kind of dried up around that. There's still a tremendous need, though. Don't you agree? I agree, and I'm just so happy that we continue to have our Divabetic Club here in Philadelphia. And, Max, you know, I was just thinking back to our tea we did in May, which was a, a sort of special event where we had so many people attend, and we even have people now who are registering for our main event. So at least here in Philadelphia, we are getting a strong response to our monthly meetings and what we're doing in the area of diabetes. Thanks to you bringing Divabetic here to Philly. I mean, it's just really helped so many people, and really, I mean, it's been a lifesaver for people. Well, it's been an incredible partnership. I, I Hats off to you, Neva, and everyone at Thomas Jefferson University Hospital for helping us uh, put that on, and, of course, the American Diabetes Association chapter in Philadelphia as well. Why do you think support is so important for people living with diabetes? I think that, you know, it's just that you need you need to know that you're not alone. And when you are experiencing things that you think you're the only one, and then when you come to the support group and you hear other people having the same issues, dealing with the same concerns and how they kind of got through it, how they met certain challenges, you know, it just makes you feel like, okay, okay, I can do this too. I agree. And, you know, Patricia, Neva, I've been doing these podcasts for five years. There's always been this shame and blame associated with type 2 diabetes. It drives me crazy. I don't think the meter has changed that much in those five years. I still think people uh, are just regretful when they're first diagnosed. I think they they do feel a lot of blame. I know, you know, everything we try to do on this podcast and even in the Diva Better Club is about that journey towards acceptance. It's not easy, but it can happen for people. I know 
Patricia, you were on the road with us for so many years with the national event. What, how do you think people cope with their emotions around diabetes? It's, it's a challenge. It's real hard for most people. And um, having a chronic disease or a chronic condition uh, tends to be uh, full of challenges anyway. But when there's something you're living with day in, day out, and there's always the the concept of mismanagement or what do I do about this or how do I handle that, and it's a self-managed type of thing, it always um, can present to be very stressful. And so having that entourage of care, having support groups, having people around you, as Neva said, who are uh, knowledgeable and not blaming you or uh, saying things that are shameful to you, but supporting rather than badgering, uh, can be very inspirational and inspiring to help them to handle those kinds of challenges. And Eva, do you have anything to add? I just I agree. I mean, you know, it's just that you just don't want to be alone. You just don't want to feel like you're alone. Well, guess what? Good news, because we're not going to be alone. We have a woman who's coming up. She's our special guest from Chicago. She's been diagnosed with diabetes for a little bit over a year, maybe less than a year, and she's had a tremendous journey in her life as well as changing her health. I can't wait to introduce you, everyone, for our fifth year anniversary, but first we're going to play another song from our Diva Inspiration, Fifth Harmony, in celebration of Divabetic's fifth year anniversary of podcasting, courtesy of Sony Music. Let's take a listen. Even though you're so damn fine, I know I'm better off without you. Even if you cross my mind, I would always have to doubt you. I won't believe a thing you say. This time, all the mother girls told me how you play your game. Yeah, we know all about you. I know it probably worked for you. Told me how you play your game. Yeah, we know all about you. Yes, we do know. And we're you're listening to Divey's Late Night. I'm your host, Mr. Diva Bedek. And if there's one thing I know, Chicago loves her divas. So please welcome a member of our Diva Bedek Facebook community, Dana from Chicago. Hi, Dana. Hi, Max. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Do you have a favorite diva in the pop culture world, pop music? Uh, it's too hard to narrow down. <laughs> I have so many. I couldn't even possibly say one of them. All right, name three. I'm, I'm a big name three. Oh, goodness. I love Beyonce. Um, okay. Let's see. I love, well, you know, I love Patti LaBelle, even though she's not pop. <laughs> um, yeah. And then I would say, well, I like Rihanna, too. I like her, too. So those are three, but I listen to everybody, Brianna. Oh, okay. Yeah, I like Brianna, too. All right, we could be friends. I like that. All right. Oh, I'm a house but, music. I'm a house girl, so I like house music. So. Oh, me, too. I, okay, now we really are friends. This is getting really exciting, everyone. <laughs> All right, so we met you through our Facebook community. You can go to Divabetic on um, Facebook and join us or fan us on our, our like us on our fan page. And so, Dana, we met through Facebook. And I was kind of, and I'm intrigued by your story. You were diagnosed with type two diabetes last August. Is that correct? That that's right. Mhm. And so, what was going on? Like, tell us a little bit about your journey. Start from before you were diagnosed. How were you feeling, and 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 then what led you to get the diagnosis? 
Will was really, really tired. I had no energy. Um, I could have, um, you know, a few hours of sleep, wake up. I was constantly waking up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom, sweating. There were just a lot of different things going on. And my doctor warned me, um, you know, I was pre-diabetic. And he finally pulled me in and said, look, you need to come in. I need to test you again to see um, what's going on with you. We need a confirmation. So um, at the end of August, I had um, my A1C done, the test done, and basically they called me while I was at work in the field, and they were like, you're diabetic. And that was that. (laughs) I didn't have that was it. That was all they told me. Your diabetic, and what went through your mind? Because you don't, you don't have a family history of diabetes. So what was going through your mind when you first heard you were living with diabetes? I cried. I I was very scared. I cried. Um, there was a lot of shame and blame. Um, and I picked up the phone and had to call a friend because I felt like my life was over. And so... Then what? What it, obviously you must have had a great friend because certain things began to change for you rather quickly. So what? What was the turning point after that? Um, she just told me to calm down. Life wasn't over. Um, you know, I didn't. Um, I didn't know what to do because I had just been basically told go to the pharmacy and get your glucose meter. Um, I wasn't happy with that, so I started reading things and reaching out to all of my friends who had diabetes. And basically, I taught myself how to um, how to take better care of my you know myself as far as my diet's concerned, how to use the meter, and did everything on my own. And by the time I got to my diabetes education class, the nurses were looking at me like, "Why are we talking to you? <laughs> you know exactly what to do." Um, because I had done so so well at reading up on the information and talking to people, because I didn't want my life to end, and I knew that you know. It wasn't going to end, and that just because I had this diagnosis, it didn't mean um, something fateful. I love it. And now you you also had a weight loss journey that paralleled this, correct? So after you were diagnosed and you had that moment when it just seemed all hope was lost and you talked to your friends and, like you just said, you became empowered and began educating yourself, you also began changing your health habits. So what did you do? And tell us a bit of, a little bit about your weight loss. Um, okay, so I learned that it's, I've become a, a carbohydrate and protein master. Um, and so I learned to balance those, and I learned that by making slight changes in my diet, um, they added up to major changes. Um, and since my diagnosis in August, I've lost 63 pounds. Um, and I, I know that I have to have certain things available to me. And I know, um, you know, when I'm feeling a certain way, I know that I have to make sure that I check my blood sugars. Um, my favorite, I always keep on hand, I have glucerna shakes. I put them in the freezer. They taste like Wendy's Frosties, and it's something that's very good for me on the go because I'm always out in the field. I'm always, you know, for my job, I have to be out and about. So that's something that I always have with me. I have something always with me just in case. What was that? that you? What do you put in the freezer? My glucerna. Oh, your Lucerna. Okay, and then you just have it like, Mm -hmm. I get it. And what's another small change you've made that has resulted in that big change of over 60-pound weight loss? Um, Pretty much everybody that I encounter, um, I always let them know, say, listen, I'm diabetic. Um, Just because 
um, like I've heard the guests talk about, you know, the people don't know, and it's important for people to know. So I always have people, they're always watching and looking out for me just in case. Um, so people pay very, very close attention to me um, when I'm around them just to make sure that I'm doing all right in case something does happen. So that really does help, too. That helps. Great. And so, you know, there's a lot of people out there who are listening who are size 22, 24, 28, maybe they're even 16s who also have been wanting to lose weight. What What would you say to them to kind of encourage them to begin a weight loss journey? Um, it's very important to meet um, with a nutrition um, a nutritionist. They're the ones who are going to be able to tell you that, hey, listen, you don't have to, you know, you're, you don't have to um, not eat certain things. You can still incorporate, you know, some sweets into your into your diet and still live healthily and still maintain um, a good blood sugar level. That was really really important for me, and I think that's something that people need to do. They need to be to be very educated about um, nutrition. That's a huge part of it. Uh, great advice. All right, well, guess what, Dana? I love to play games. I know you haven't heard one of our podcasts from the past, but that's what I liked. I'm the Bob Barker of Diabetes Education and Empowerment. I've dubbed myself that, by the way, listeners. You can hit me up on Facebook (laughs) if you want to say something different. Anyhow, um, we're going to play our first game, but first we're going to listen to another cut from Fifth Harmony. I want to tell everyone that the First Lady Michelle Obama was going to send us a congratulations tonight, but we didn't. We couldn't get around the show because we just don't have enough time. So we thought we'd let Fifth Harmony's song, Boss, send a message instead. Let's listen to Fifth Harmony, courtesy of Sony Music. I really don't care what Haley from Nashville wants to say. I'm going to tell you right now, Dana, this Fifth Harmony, this Fifth Harmony album is really good. I, I have been working out to it for over a month. I love, like, every track on that album. That's a that's a hot little track right there as far as I'm concerned. All right, so oh, yeah. um, it's, it's a good album. Trust me, you'll like it. Um, it's time for our first game. We're going to play Diabetes Numerology. Dana, are you ready to conquer the high seas? Because you're about to play my favorite diabetes game puzzle from our Diabetes Roundtable podcast on November 2010. It's the best of the best, everybody. Let's take a listen to your puzzle. Amy, are you ready to try your hand at diabetes numerology? Sure am. Okay, here's how it works. Works. I'm going to read you a random blood glucose value along with a real-life situation, and then I'm going to ask you to tell our audience how you would deal with this situation. Next, the Charlie's Angels of Outreach will discuss your solution and share some other tips for people living with diabetes who are listening to the program. Remember, everybody out there, if you're playing along with us tonight, keep in mind that one solution doesn't work for everyone, so check with your doctor first to find out what your specific game plan should be. And feel free to go out right now to divabeg.org and download a free game book. All right, Amy, here's your diabetes numerology situation. Your blood glucose value is 90. 
and your situation is after sunbathing all day on George Clooney's private sailboat, you're (laughs) unsuspectingly, you're thrown overboard, topless into shark-infested waters because of a strong (laughs) gust of wind and George's poor sailing skills. How would you handle this situation? Okay, Dana, we're live. You're you're topless (laughs) in shark-infested waters. George Clooney's looking on with those bashful eyes. What would you do? <laughs> I don't even know how to answer that because I'm thinking George Clooney's looking at me and I'm topless in shark infested waters. Seriously? And my blood sugar is not easy. Uh, uh what do I do? Uh, you want to phone an God. angel? Well let's ask yes. Neva White from Philadelphia since you love Paddle Bell first. Neva, <laughs> what yeah. is the blood sugar of ninety? Well, a blood sugar of ninety is not a bad blood sugar, but it all depends on what your next move is. Your blood, a blood sugar of ninety can be just fine if you're planning on getting yourself something to eat fairly soon. So a number is a number. It's really um, what's good or bad about it usually usually determines your next move. So a ninety is probably not bad. You just need to think about getting something to eat pretty soon because you don't right. want it to go down any lower. And and Patricia, yeah. she's doing a lot of exercise. Plus, you've got to have a certain kind of anxiety. She ha- Dana has anxiety <laughs> about being topless in front of George Clooney, which we love. But you might have anxiety about the sharks in the water. Anxiety could really elevate your blood sugars. Correct? That's true. And the adrenaline flowing. Um, yeah, all of those hormones kind of interact with each other. Insulin being a hormone, adrenaline being a hormone. So when you're anxious and nervous about anything, you can have some high blood sugars. So she definitely, I know she's under attack, but uh, this would be a time, <laughs> this would be a time when, when if at all possible, a good blood sugar test. I know she's 90 right now, but periodically along the way, she needs to be really leery about what that blood sugar is doing. <laughs> you know, um, I just have to say, because this is one of my favorite puzzles, Dana, if I were you, I would just float on my back and let George have one good look at it before I go down. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you know, and so now, after, after, you know, I knew what to answer, but I was distracted by being topless and, and George Clooney's watching me, so it was like, what do, you, what do I do? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! I have to tell you, I wanted to play that puzzle because up until that, when we first started the podcast, listeners, it was about promoting the diabetes numerology game. I really believe on, in it. I co-created with Jessica Isler, who's a registered dietitian, certified diabetes educator. Uh, we created all these real life scenarios, uh, and then we attached random blood glucose values to them. As as we kept doing the podcast over the years. It just became more fun to start creating these crazy situations, and this was actually the first time that we kind of went off the charts with a really wild situation. After that, we started using um, movie, I, movie themes and, and movie scenarios from famous movies around the blood sugars, uh, associating them with a random blood sugar value just to make it more entertaining, but always trying to give a clear message about what those numbers mean. And, Neva, you just said it earlier, a number's a number, but in truth, you need to know the numbers. Yes. And so the message really around a self-care game is, is really sitting down and talking to, some, uh, to someone about what those 
scary numbers could mean and how you, and what the procedure should be that you know what to do in case that happens. Of course, no one wants that to happen, but certainly sitting down with a friendly educator such as yourself, Neva, you could really help me form a game plan to kind of avoid some of the anxiety around a certain number that could be scary to me. Exactly, and understanding what's too low and understanding what's too high and then having a game plan behind that. Makes all the difference in the world. And uh, and that's why we do it. And Dana, thank and Dana, I have to tell you for playing along with us tonight and being on this uh, special podcast, uh, raising awareness in a fun new way. You're getting a new Naturals gift basket filled with di- di- diabetic safe, low glycemic, tooth friendly sweeteners. A cabbage cheese gift basket filled with an assortment of delicious low fat cheeses. Dr. Greenfield's diabetes lotions and products, which are specifically designed for people with diabetes with sensitive and delicate skin, and a Spry Publishing prize giveaway from the premier publisher of health books and media delivering valuable content on a wide range of medical subjects, including the fabulous book, The Complete Diabetes Organizer by AADE Educator of the Year, and our guest uh, educator from several podcasts in the past, Susan Weiner. So what do you want to say, Dana, about being on Diabetes Late Night? Oh, my gosh. It's been awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Um, you know, and I just want to continue to help whoever I can. Um, you know, if you if you need some help in Chicago, Max, let me know. I'm definitely on board. I love it. Well, thank you so much. So guess what, Dana? We were having some technical difficulty earlier. We're going to bring Lorraine Brooks back in in a minute. But before we do, because we've been spotlighting all our past uh, first appearances on the show, I know, Patricia and Neva, you kind of enjoyed hearing your first shows, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> so let's take a listen to the lovely Lorraine Brooks' first appearance on Diabetes Roundtable. Well, when Dr. Bev asked me to contribute a chapter to her book, I also wrote a poem um, entitled My Sweet Life. And it goes like this. My sweet life means I walk with pride and keep my body strong. My sweet life keeps me satisfied by knowing right from wrong. The blood that pulses through my veins is red and smooth and fine. It carries all my nourishment, and it's uniquely mine. For those of us with sweeter blood, our lives may go adrift. But sweetness is a mighty flood and is, for us, a gift. The gift is taking care of us, will go to any length. The gift may seem unfair to us, but it's our source of strength. So when you look at your sweet life, be thankful you've been asked to go through life as one who must perform this sweetest task, to keep your organs clean and free and ready for all strife. And then, my friends, you will be proud to live your sweetest life. Yay. Um, yeah, I think that's fantastic. All right, she's back on the show. Lorraine, welcome back. That's what did so you think of hearing yourself again on the pod from that podcast? I sound so young. <laughs> you look fabulous, by the way. You still look fabulous. You you look fabulous every day. I mean, what a treat! We're gonna have three poems from you tonight. I, I you know, Neva, Patricia. Mama Rosemary and you guys have been the bedrock of the show with me and have helped me do this incredible show that just kind of blends music with education, with empowerment, with laughter, with struggle, with success, 
with truth. And um, you've been a big part of that with your insights into living with diabetes. And the listeners uh, were asked what their favorite poem was, and they came back with uh, the poem that you read from our Diabetes Roundtable, inspired by Esther Williams. And you mentioned at the top of the show tonight that it was kind of based on, we had a conversation about, you know, how are you going to do this? What's what? What's this poem going to be about, and what it, and what was coming up for you when you knew that our diva inspiration was Esther Williams? Well, yeah, that was um, actually that was such an empowering moment for me, Max, because as I said earlier, um, when you told me that Esther Williams was going to be your diva, and of course she was a famous swimmer and she lived her entire life, you know, in a bathing suit in front of the camera, and I knew that you. Um, well, I, I shouldn't say that. I, I felt that you wanted me to write a poem about, you know, feeling positive about yourself and getting exercise and going swimming and that kind of thing. But when I sat down to write it, that's not how I felt. I felt very different. I felt um, like um, that's not what was coming up for me. The feelings were, were different. And I came back to you and I said, Max, I don't think that the poem that I have in my heart, it sounds very positive. And that's when you said you go ahead and write whatever you're feeling because whatever you're feeling is legitimate and, you know, and it's going to affect somebody and somebody is going to have uh, identification with it. And it's so amazing to me that that particular poem that was such a struggle for me to write is the one that people find the most inspirational or the most memorable. It's just, uh, it floors me every time I hear that because it was so raw for me. Um, and maybe that's why people identify with it. I don't know. But, um, I, I, again, I thank you for allowing me to express um, all of the things that I was feeling. And um, I'm, I'm just glad and flattered and, and humbled that people uh, find my words so so inspirational. Well, we do. So with no further ado, let's hear Beauty and the Beach. I'm not Esther Williams. I'm not even close. My body in bathing suits feels clumsy and gross. I look at the swimmers, I look at the pool, and suddenly feel like a fat, ugly fool. I try to ignore them, these feelings I feel, but the bottom line truth is the feelings are real. Will I wear a bathing suit? Probably not. I'll probably stay in my clothes and feel hot. I've tried, please believe me, to listen to those who tell me it's okay to take off my clothes. Then I look at others, and what comes to mind? I sense they are judging me and being unkind. I wish I was comfortable. I wish I fit in. I wish I was normal. I wish I was thin. I wish people saw me for more than my weight. I wish that I had a much different fate. So hats off to Esther, who swam like a fish, who by all accounts was a beautiful dish. But I am not Esther. I'm all I can be. And sometimes I struggle just being me. 
One more small thing, I must say it out loud. If I had a body of which I was proud, if tank tops and two pieces were within my reach, I'd be more than happy to join you at the beach. I'm I'm curious to get everyone's opinion on that poem. I I, I want to go first because it's my show, and it has been for the last <laughs> five years. Um, no, I think I think you let the veil down. I think that uh, this is something that a lot of people think about who are less than perfect or think of themselves as less than perfect. I don't want to say they're less than perfect. I just want to say they they have this thought that they don't have six packs oh. or whatever. And I think that's what people heard. But I'm curious, Neva, what do you hear when you hear that poem? Um, I hear truth, I hear sadness, um, and I also hear, uh, you know, maybe a longing for something else. And what do you hear, Patricia? Somewhat of a Lord self-esteem, um, feeling powerless, um, feeling intimidated, or just not being able to be yourself. And how about you, Dana? I mean, I know you're on the other end of it now, but how did how did you react to it? You've never heard it before. Well, I I hear I, I do hear some sadness, but then, um, in a, just a, a small way, I do hear a little bit of like, well, you know what? I, I'm not I'm not that way. I'm not perfect, and this is what it is. Um, it speaks to me in a different way. Um, you know, I I, I don't hear a lot of negativity in that. I hear more positivity, and, and I can relate to exactly what she says because I felt like that before. I hear the sass factor in it too, Lorraine. I always heard the sass factor of someone who's kind of standing up for themselves and just kind of like proclaiming who they are and and moving forward. And I, I do hear, I, I definitely agree with what uh, everyone said on it, but I think it, it resonates so powerfully because we just haven't heard it enough, you know, and I think just letting our guard down every once in a while, which is why going back to the conversation we had earlier with Neva uh, about support, why it's just important to kind of sit down in it for a minute and share that experience with people and let other people hear it because it, the truth is your truth was universal to everybody. And I, I, I hear, I heard myself in that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I interestingly enough, um, it, it came from, I guess, yeah, I guess a point of sadness on some level, but more, I think, maybe resignation than sadness. Um, but it was just how I was feeling at the moment because it surprised me that you were using Esther Williams as your diva. And I don't know, it just brought up all kinds of things for me. It might have been just the moment that I was in at the time. But but I, I do appreciate um, the opportunity to, to, to be real. And if it sounds sad, that's okay. If it sounds angry, that's okay. If it sounds frustrated, that's okay. Um, because those things are part of, of who we are. And at the end of the day, it's okay to feel all those things and still go forward and you know, and still be yourself. And you know me, Max, you've known me for a couple of years now. I don't let myself stay in that place too long. I try not to anyway. So it was good for me to, to put a voice to that at the moment and, um, and you know, just keep it moving. 
So I appreciate Absolutely. Those are all phases of being a divabetic, and I wanted to end the show on that note, Lorraine, because you you are so powerful, and you're such a partner in this. And Neva and Patricia, you have been such a partner, and the people who've been all the guest educators, all the healthcare experts, and, he, and, and Dana, as well as every diva and dude who's come on the show and told their story has helped us to create what we create. And I look at that body of work we've done, and I'm just so proud of it, and I feel so privileged, and all the people who work behind the scenes with me as well to make this happen. I, I want to thank you again, listeners, for tuning in for the last five years. I hope you stay with us. I hope you subscribe to our Divabetic e-newsletter at divabetic.org and visit our Facebook pages like Dana did and watch some of my videos on Mr. Divabetic's YouTube channel. I love to end the show every time like this. Remember, every diva has an entourage, and I am so glad to be part of yours. Let's get happy and healthy together. We're going to close the podcast, Lorraine. You're going to love this with one more song by Fifth Harmony, uh, the, who are our diva inspirations. And actually, Megan Trainer wrote this song as well. And I think it's kind of interesting to reference Megan Trainer about what we just heard because you know it was all about the bass before. But this song is called Brave, Honest, and Beautiful. Thank you. Happy fifth year anniversary, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. Congratulations again, Max. Thank you.